0: Good morning. Welcome to All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church. If you care to worship with us, then you are welcome. Whatever your age, whatever your race, gender, origin, identity, orientation, political persuasion, or background, welcome. We are an intentionally diverse community, united not by belief in one creed, but by a covenant to support each other on our spiritual journeys and to work together for a better world. If you're here for the first time, we would ask that you fill out one of the blue cards in the pew pocket in front of you. Uh, We we would would like to know how you found us and... um, how you came to be here. And we hope that you will stay after the service and join us for um, coffee and conversation. There's also a bake sale today benefiting um, our OPA, which is Operation Playground Awesome, which is um, building a, uh, working on building us a new playground since our, the one we have now is original to the building from the 80s and it has served us well, and we are grateful to the people who built it, and it's time for a new era. So please eat cookies, have fun, stay, hang out, talk to each other, and enjoy the bake sale. Membership in this church is open to anyone who affirms uh, the principles and purposes of Unitarian Universalism. Uh, those are available on a little gray card out in the foyer, and you're also welcome to talk to Ron Thurston, who is our membership chair, to the Reverend Barbara Jarrell, who is our minister and would usually be here in this place on most Sundays, so I encourage you to come back and hear her. Um, and uh, We will can talk to you more about membership. We do have once a month a newcomer information session. I believe the next one of those is on the 13th of October after church. So... Um, and meanwhile we are doing right now and, and I saw a lot of you there this morning and on this rainy morning I really appreciate it but we are doing adult religious education right now on kind of the history of our faith and our faith today and articulating our faith so if um, we encourage you to drop in on that if you haven't already and I told you about the bake sale. Also, our big fundraiser of the year, our annual gala, Melissa Gibson was out front this morning and she'll be out again after the service with invitations to that. And I believe we have raffle tickets now also. that No, we don't. Okay. No raffle tickets yet. That will come. But that is always a wonderful event. There's a silent auction. There's live music. There's great food. We have Lila's doing the catering this year so it's a it's a fantastic event so october twenty sixth six o'clock here at the church, we're coming back home. It's going to be—it's going to be a great event. Also, want to remind you that this week is again our time to co-host the Highland Blessing Dinner. This is um, a dinner for all who come to the door. There's no means test, um, and it's a lot of the working poor in the Highland neighborhood—people that may be kind of falling through the cracks of social services. We feed up to 126 people every Thursday. We've been doing this for over a year now, it was a year in April, so it's been going really well. And this is our Thursday night, the first Thursday is always our Thursday to co-host with Kings Highway Christians. So those of you who regularly volunteer, can I maybe see the hands of people who have come pretty often or come regularly or even come at all? Talk to these people. It is really easy. It's fun. You get there by five to five fifteen. You're out by seven. The cleanup goes really fast, and you just—we're forming community with the guests who come, but also with each other, with with among the volunteers. It is it is a great thing. I really really encourage that, and. Um, I did not bring my welcome script this morning, but I think I have covered everything that, that goes into it. Now, yes, I was getting to that, I know. That, um, now is the time to untether yourself from your electronic devices. You can um, turn off or silence those, if you will. Although you are, as I always say, you're welcome to tweet silently about the awesomeness of this place. We don't mind if you do that. This morning, we gather to remember one of the great men, and one of the great stories of our faith. Some have called it our miracle story. In celebrating the story, we celebrate, too, the great stream of our faith that makes up half of our name, universalism, the radical notion of universal salvation. Yes, universalism had arrived on these shores before John Murray, But he was the one who ultimately worked to establish it as a faith tradition in its own right. Salvation means many things to many different people, some looking only to the hereafter. Our views on the nature of that prospect may be as varied as we are here. And yet we share a common ideal to bring about that salvation which can come here and now in this world for all people. And of all the people in this room that I am blessed to know, I can honestly say, there is not one who is not doing or has not done something toward bringing that ideal into being. If I can have Bolts join me. Our bearers of light and tradition this morning are Gretchen Upton and Sam First. In the light of the chalice this morning, we hold these words from one of our early 20th century Universalist ministers, Henry Clay Ledyard, who expressed quite well our highest ideals then and now, when he said, the mission of the Universalist Church has been a double one. First, to controvert the one-time prevalent idea of an endless hell. This part of the mission has practically been accomplished, but the second and more important one awaits fulfillment, a fight which shall continue until the real, actual hells before our very eyes are destroyed. This morning, and every time we are together, we celebrate our first principle. We covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. This morning, and every time we are together, we celebrate our first source, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder, affirmed in all cultures, which moves us, to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. In this season of our church year, in which we honor our pilgrim journey toward the ultimate, we lift up our fourth principle, which is the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. Oh, if you'll stand in body or spirit and join me in the unison affirmation. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the sacred. Thus do we covenant with each other. So before we begin to learn more about John Murray and our second you, I need to tell you that later in this story, much later, after the candle lighting, you will have a part to play. You may notice you are listed in the cast of characters. Not quite in order of appearance. I think um, Thomas Potter, actually you appear before him. But anyway, you are the big storm. And so this is how you can do it. Some of you will be little rain, like this. Can you snap your fingers? Some of you will go on from there maybe to be big rain. You rub your hands together. And then we won't get them out right now, but down here the kids are gonna be helping you with some additional um, sound effects. But we're gonna need some wind too. Can we hear some wind? Awesome. You will do so well, break a leg. And now, the story of John Murray. Pleased to meet you. I hope you've guessed my name. A
1: long time ago, about the same time as George Washington, there was a little boy named John Murray. When he went to church, his minister told him about a spare place called hell, filled with weeping, gnashing of teeth, and suffering. You know, my kind of place. <laughs> I don't <like> those stories. <sighs> but sometimes we played outside. Flowers, rabbits, birds, bunnies. He thought the world was a wonderful place, that God must be a good and loving God to have made such a wonderful world. But those stories about hell were scary, especially late at night he was in bed. And he would get afraid that he had done something bad or would do something bad, and hell seemed Well, when John grew up, he lived in London and attended a strict Calvinist church, very much like the one that he attended as a child. The theology still made him very fearful and afraid. And yet he became a respected member of the congregation and even did some preaching. He was so respected, in fact, that when a young lady named Eliza Neal in the congregation began to go hear a Methodist-turned-universalist preacher named James Relly. John was asked to go and visit the young lady and dissuade her from such a dangerous association. John wasted little time and went with pleasantries and got right down to business.
2: He that believeth not shall be damned.
3: And pray, sir, what is the unbeliever damned for not believing? Why?
2: believing in Jesus Christ to be sure.
3: Do you mean to say that unbelievers are damned for not believing there was such a person as Jesus Christ?
2: No, I do not. A man may believe there was such a person and yet be damned.
3: What then, sir, must he believe in order to not be damned?
2: Why, he must believe that Jesus Christ is a complete
3: Savior. Well, sir, if Christ the Savior of any unbelievers?
2: No, ma'am.
3: Well, why then should any unbeliever believe that Jesus Christ is his Savior if he's not his Savior?
2: I say he is (laughs) not the Savior of anyone until he believes.
3: Well then, if Jesus be not the Savior of the unbeliever until he believes, the unbeliever is called upon to believe a lie. It appears to me, sir, (sighs) that Jesus is the complete Savior of unbelievers, and that unbelievers are called upon to believe the truth, and that by believing they are saved from all those dreadful fears which are consequent upon a state of conscious condemnation.
2: No, no, madam, you are dreadfully, I trust, not fatally misled. Jesus never was nor ever will be the Savior of any. sir? No, ma'am.
3: So, you were once an unbeliever, that is, you once believed that Jesus Christ was not your Savior. Now, if, as you say, he never was, nor ever will be, the Savior of any unbeliever, then as you were once an unbeliever, he never can be your Savior. Well, <laughs> would you look at the time? I, I have another appointment. <laughs>
1: Well, despite John and Eliza's disastrous first encounter, John found himself quite taken with the young lady, and before long, they were married. She also <laughs> persuaded him to go and hear Reverend Relly arguing that an intelligent man should be able to listen to the ideas and judge for himself. So, together, they went to hear Reverend Relly, and John began to realize that this man made a lot of sense. He found he was happier. He found he was less afraid of me.
2: like a good father to all people, not just a few.
3: Well, this is the right church for us, John. And it's the right church for you. <coughs> you should be a universalist preacher. You've got the talent for it
0: and the heart.
2: <laughs> and I'm not afraid of hell anymore. Wait, what?
1: <sighs> ah. <clears throat> <sighs> Well, John did become a preacher and he preached to people the universalist message of God who loves and cares for everyone and God that people need not fear.
2: I tell you, my good people, that our God loves us each and every one. If we are made in God's image, why would he sacrifice us to the fire? If Jesus came to be a savior for one, to be a savior for all. We need only love one another as he has loved us, and we need not live in fear.
1: Oh, John and Eliza also had a baby. And then something very sad happened. John's wife and baby got very sick and died. John was so sad, he thought his poor heart would break.
0: As we pause in our story, let's take time to enter the spirit of prayer. Feel free to put your papers down, to close your eyes if you're so moved. To take a deep breath, release it, and feel your shoulders and your arms relax and lower as you do. Continue to breathe deeply letting go again with each exhalation. In the rush of our daily lives, we can find ourselves hungry for the simple act of unhurried breath. This is the time to give yourself that gift. Source and spirit of all life, we have each known some measure of darkness and sorrow, Some of us to the point we are sure we cannot bear it, and yet at the foundation of our faith lies the bedrock of universalism. That no sadness, no sorrow, no sin of our own or another can separate us from that power of ceaseless love in which we live and move and have our being. For that, we are grateful and wish to live in that gratitude. We pray to see the face of that love, your face, in those with whom we might be quick to anger, to judgment, or to mere dismissal. We pray to be the face of that love for each other and for anyone who may suffer under the illusion that your face is not for them to see. Help us to live each day in the spirit of truly bringing all souls into harmony with the sacred. This we hold in our hearts as we enter the silence.
1: So John did go to America. And his ship was almost to New York when a great storm came up. It blew his ship off course, and it got stuck off the coast of New Jersey. Now the ship was stuck in the sand, and the only way to get unstuck was simply to wait for the wind to change. With some time on his hands, John Murray went ashore looking for food and water. Now this next part is very strange, but it's all true. In that New Jersey town lived a man named Thomas Potter. One day, Thomas caught more fish than he could use, and he was out by the shore when John Murray came up and asked. I see you have much fish. We are
2: stranded and have run out of supplies. Could I buy some fish and water from you? Well,
1: I get the fish and water for free. So why should I take your money? I would like one thing, though. What's that?
2: Your company. Would you come to dinner? Table
1: tonight. Well, John Murray agreed, and they had a fine dinner and long night of interesting conversation. And later, after dinner, Thomas told John about his church.
0: I'd be the one.
1: The wind did not change. So John Murray preached a sermon about a forgiving and a loving God. Fears of punishment in hell completely went away. People wanted to hear more about God's love and not God's anger. Go figure. Now we don't have the text or an exact topic of that first sermon that he preached at Murray Grove, but we do have this.
2: Go out into the highways and the byways. Give the people something of your new vision. John Murray proceeded to become a major preacher and leader of
1: universalism in America, which in turn became one of the main faith streams of your unitary universalism.
2: You may possess a small light, but uncover it. Let it shine, use it in order to bring more light and more understanding to the men and women. Give them not hell, but hope and understanding. Preach the kindness and the everlasting love of God.